This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. A 19th century philosopher, historian, social critic, well-known man by the name of Thomas Carlyle. Thomas Carlyle was born into a very strict Christian family in Scotland. As a young man who comes from a relatively poor family, really very modest family, he fell in love with Kitty Kilpatrick, who happened to be a daughter of a a British official, and her mother was a princess from India. And being the class-conscious society at the time, Thomas Carlyle could not marry Kitty, and that broke his heart. So he married a poor girl by the name of Jane Welch. Jane was beautiful. She was a gracious woman. She was a kind woman. But for the rest of his life, Carlyle could never overcome his resentment over the fact that he had to, quote-unquote, settle for marrying Jane. And so he treated her unkindly, to say the least. He gave her no affection. He gave her no attention. And he gave her no appreciation. And yet Jane Carlyle could not understand what's wrong with her husband. She could not understand why he insisted on them sleeping in two separate bedrooms and maintaining a hollow and celibate marriage. Jane had longed for, and she yearned for, the opportunity to be appreciated by her husband. And she tried in which every way to please him, to please this now. By that time, he became a very famous man but to no avail. She became depressed, chronically ill. She suffered from many ailments, including dilapidating headaches. She tried to conceal her pain from her husband and always maintain a cheerful demeanor, a cheerful front. Whenever he comes home from his lecture tours, she was always pleasant, always serving, always smiling but he was oblivious to her needs. As her health worsened and her depression deepened, she became bedridden and invalid. And after years of illness, Jane died. After the funeral, while some guests were still downstairs, Thomas Carlyle went upstairs and he stumbled on her diary, and he began to read. And he was reading how much she loved him, page after page, how much she loved him, how miserable her life was because of the years of not being appreciated. She wrote about the numerous times that she tried to please her husband and how he cruelly rebuffed her efforts. She wrote about how not even once, not once, During their marriage, had he ever said a loving word 
affectionate word, word of appreciation. At that moment, Thomas Carlyle realized that his wife died of a broken heart, and he broke it. At that moment, there were still some people downstairs while he was upstairs reading the diary and being so cut to the heart. And he came down running and went out, and one of his friends who was still downstairs followed him and to found Thomas Carlyle kneeling at his wife's freshly dug grave, weeping and sobbing, saying, If only I had known. If only I had known. After that, Carlyle withdrew from society and from public life in general, and he wrote a self-condemning essay entitled Reminiscence of Jane Welch Carlyle. Why am I telling you this long, in many ways, tragic story? Because it illustrates a principle in human nature. Beloved, we all need to be appreciated, every one of us, especially by those who matter to us the most. When those who matter to us the most withhold appreciation, our spirit within us begins to wither and die, and even the body dies. Hear me right, please. I have never met anyone who does not appreciate being appreciated. Not once. Some people pretend to be totally independent and emotionally self-sufficient, and they don't want anything, and they don't want… but don't believe it, for they need to be appreciated. And the need to be appreciated is universal. It's part of God's creation. But, of course, I am painfully aware of the fact that there are some people who don't know how to express appreciation. I know, and that's tragic. Others deliberately withdraw appreciation, thinking that it may lead some people into being proud and and arrogant, and so they withhold it. Let God deal with that. You give appreciation. What lack of appreciation usually produces is the feeling of rejection, depression, and starvation for attention. Listen to me. There is nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with wanting, needing, and receiving appreciation. It is biblical. It is thoroughly biblical. It is a godly thing to do. The Bible said, give honor to whom honor is due. But like everything else, of course, I know there are extremes in everything, always extremes. I'm reminded of this man in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, true story, who basically organized, orchestrated his own funeral. And the invitation issued, the funeral is going to be such and such time, and, and he comes riding on a hearse in the front. And when he came into the funeral chapel, he sat in the front pew. And he watched the whole funeral, his own funeral. As he said to the press later on, when that happened, of course, the the whole city of Fort Lauderdale would come a a buzz about this whole thing. And here's what he said. I'm going to quote him word for word. He said, what good does it do for people to say nice things about you 
after you're dead and you cannot hear them. <laughs> now, I call that extreme. A Danish philosopher once said, ingratitude is always a sign of weakness. Did you get that? Let me repeat it. Ingratitude is always a sign of weakness. And I personally have never known a strong person, man or woman, who is ungrateful. The strong men and women that I know, every one of them is filled with gratitude. And by definition, the strongest one is God. For He is the most appreciative of His children. Why? Because although He needs nothing from us, nothing, there is nothing we can do for Him. He lavishes appreciation on us. Throughout the Scripture, you're going to discover, if you read it carefully, that God does not let even the smallest of sacrifice, the smallest of sacrifice, to go unappreciated and unrewarded. Jesus said, even a cup of cold water. Just think about this. I don't know what a cup of cold water cost. It's not much, but you know Jesus said that when it's offered is not unnoticed by Jesus, and it's not unrewarded by Jesus. Now, I want you to imagine with me this kind of scenario, okay? Just use your imagination. Suppose the Lord comes to you, and He gives you a million dollars. You take the million dollars, you put them in the bank. And then you hear about a street preacher, a man who preaches his heart out in the gospel, and he's leading people to Christ, and that you hear that this person can do with a car, and he will probably do a better job, and, and he'll be more effective if he just has a dependable car that he can use in his ministry. And so you decide, since you already have been blessed abundantly, you're going to write a check for $20,000 and buy him a nice car. In your mind, you know deep down that this is pittance in comparison to the million dollars that you already got that you have in the bag, that God already just given you. Think about this. You could have bought him an old beat-up car for $5,000, right? But you want to give him a reliable car. And so you generously write a check for $20,000. Now, I want you to imagine the Lord is coming to you, and He says to you, that was a wonderful thing you did. This was a thoughtful thing you did. This was a gracious thing you did. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for buying the, a good car, another beat-up car that helps this man in his preaching. I applaud you for doing this. What was your response? I know my response would be, I said, Lord, I'm embarrassed by all of this appreciation. Lord, after all, you gave me a million dollars. Lord, I don't deserve all of this appreciation. Lord, you gave me a million dollars. Lord, I don't deserve all of this appreciation. Lord, there's nothing to be appreciated because you gave me a million dollars. Lord, I gave pittance in comparison to what you have given me, Lord. How can you thank me? How can you reward me? And yet, this is how God gives His appreciation to us all the time. Whether you, you hear it or not, He does. I speak on the authority of the Word of God. Even 
when we begin to take some baby steps in walking by faith. Just like you see a toddler start walking, and, and you say, yeah, 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 come to daddy, come to daddy. You know what God is saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. These few steps of faith, I appreciate that. Keep going, keep going. And he'll bless you so you can take more steps and more steps and more steps until you run. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, of course, Paul is speaking to an agrarian society. They understand that they're living, this is a life, uh, sowing and reaping, and they know the synergy between sowing and reaping. But even in modern time, any of you have done any gardening, you'll understand that concept. There is a synergy between sowing and reaping. After the Word of God tells us about the relationship between the quantity of sowing and the quantity of reaping, immediately the Apostle Paul tells us about the deeper level of the love of God for us in proportion to the generosity in sowing. Four things I want to share with you about the hilarious giver, the generous giver. Four things. First of all, the Lord has a soft spot in his heart for the hilarious giver. Verse 7, secondly, the Lord will abundantly bless the hilarious giver, verses 8 to 11. Thirdly, God is glorified by the hilarious giver, verses 11 to 13. And fourthly, God will answer the prayers on behalf of the hilarious givers, verses 14 and 15. Let's look at these very quickly. First of all, the Lord has a soft spot, <laughs> a special soft spot in His heart for the hilarious giver. I know your English Bibles have said, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word hilarious, is from which we get hilarious actually, means it's, it's a lot stronger than just cheerful. It means the person who have joy in his or her heart in giving. It means someone has fun in giving, high-fiving as he writes the check. It means somebody is having a belly laughter as they give. Now, I know there are some people confused about this. Listen carefully. There are levels of love in the Scripture on the part of God. God loves His creation. He loves everybody. Then there is a deeper love that God has for those whomsoever that would come to Him and receive Jesus as their only Savior and Lord. This is a deeper love than the love He has for the world, that He has for creation, that He has for humanity, that He has for the sinner and the saints. It's a deeper love. Now, I know that some people give out of guilt. Some people give out of compulsion. Some people give because they heard some slick presentation and a guy who manipulated their emotions and they respond to it, or like some sheep who get fleeced by false shepherds. But that's not what Paul is referencing here. He is talking about the hilarious giver. And the hilarious giver gives from a cheerful heart, not obligation. The hilarious giver gives out of joyous, continuous, and systematic giving. And that is why Paul said, 
those hilarious givers have special place in God's heart. I already told you that God loves His creation. He loves humanity. But then He has a deeper love for those who are His children. In John 16, 27, here's what Jesus said, The Father Himself loves you, that's the special love He has for His children, because you have loved Me and have believed that I came from God. So, He loves humanity. He loves His own in a deeper level, much deeper level. But then He loves a hilarious giver. He has a laser focus. He has a a unique response of love for those individuals who imitate Him because He is a hilarious giver. He's a generous giver. He does not give out of compulsion. He gives out of love. And therefore, the hilarious giver is imitating God. God is the most generous of all. God is the most hilarious giver of all. God is the most joyous giver of all. And that is why He showers them generously with deep affection and appreciation. I know this is mind-boggling. We know how much it means to us for those who are dear and near to our hearts appreciate us. It means a whole lot more just a profundity thanks by a stranger for whom we've done something. It means a whole lot more. So I want you to imagine with me what it really means to you that God Himself, the Creator of heaven and earth, the God of power and might, expressing deep appreciation for you. I want to tell you, for me, there is nothing sweeter and more uplifting along the journey than the Almighty God appreciating you because you are effusive in your giving back to Him. God has a soft spot for the hilarious givers. Secondly, God blesses the hilarious giver. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in everything. Let's do that again. And God is able to make what? Abound to you so that in at having you will abound in everything. Everything. When God says in His Word, all, He means one thing. All. All. Here's something you know. I know this. It is possible to give without loving. It's possible to give without necessarily loving. You might not even know the person. Or maybe you give in order to receive something back, a payback or kickback or whatever. You might give in order to get a needed tax deduction. Or you might give because, um, you know, you get praise from people. Or you give for all sorts of reasons without necessarily love. Ah, but you cannot love without giving. You cannot tell me you love someone without giving. When God wanted to show His love to us, He gave and he gave everything. 
It's only in heaven that we will understand the unity between the Father and the Son and what it means for the Father to give His Son. If you say, I love God. Oh, I love God. And you give Him diddly squat. Oh, the crumbs are falling off your table. What kind of love is that? Question. Why does God want to bless the hilarious giver? He really does. It's from cover to cover in the Scripture. Because it is the evidence of you loving Him and that you are trusting Him. That He who has provided for you this year, He's going to provide for you next year and for the rest of your life. And that's what David said. I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor His children begging for bread. Many of you know my testament. I've written it in books. I've shared it from here. Even though I was ordained to the ministry, and I was not a cheerful giver, until I was challenged by the Word of God. It's the Word of God that challenged me. In fact, I was ordained to the ministry, and I was living by sight and not by faith. I remember the day, like yesterday, when the Lord literally challenged me from His Word. Listen, I know the world does not understand living by faith. I know that. Don't expect them. Please, don't expect the world to understand that. They never will. The world would say to you, what are you doing? You're squandering your resources. You're endangering your net worth. You are endangering your financial security. What are you doing? You will not have any money left over to meet your needs. And how do you know that God is going to provide for you next year? We might get a recession next year. He doesn't bless you based on Wall Street. He doesn't bless you based on, on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. No. By giving by faith is very different from that stuff. When you give hilariously to God, you will have more, not less. If you give God first and, and the first fruit, and you will have more left over, not less. Because God loves a hilarious giver, He will make all grace abounds to you. God loves and blesses and deeply appreciates those who are like Him, hilarious givers. Those who believe with all of their heart that with God nothing is impossible, that all things are possible with God. Now, beloved, listen to me. If you have never experienced God's appreciation to you for boldly living by faith and going into the adventures of faith, you are missing out on the greatest joy you can ever have. You're actually impoverishing yourself in every way. Just as in every way He blesses you, you're impoverishing yourself in every way. Spiritual way, material, every way. We saw God stretches that money. I've not only lived it, but I see it in the lives of so many of my friends who are practicing it. Again and again, God replenishes over, over, and above. And it's not just material things. I'm talking about health blessings. I'm talking about prayer blessings. I answered prayer. I'm talking about ministry blessings. This is the world of faith living, not sight living. And I challenge you, every one of you, young or old, start entering 
into faith living today. Amen? God has a soft spot for the hilarious giver. God loves to bless the hilarious giver. Thirdly, God is glorified in the life of a hilarious giver. When others are blessed by your generosity, by being a hilarious giver, they're going to give praise and glory to God. They will give the credit to the Lord, and the Lord turns around and gives you the credit. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, I'm from the Middle East. I know a deal when I see one. (laughs) This is a deal. (laughs) Now, beloved, our culture lavishes everything on itself. We lavish everything on ourselves. And now we have people who want the government to give them everything for nothing. (laughs) Others want to grab everything from those who worked hard and give it to those who can work but refuse to work. It's tragic. That's not biblical. The Bible is innocent of this type of greed and entitlement mentality. The Bible is innocent of this attitude of ingratitude. The Bible is innocent of those who have no appreciation for the grace of God. Don't miss what Paul is saying here, verses 12 and 13. Because of your generosity, the recipients of your generosity will praise God for you. Because of your generosity, people will see that the gospel is being evident in your life. Because of your service, because of your sacrifice, you have proved that you are truly saved, and you're doing this out of gratitude to God. Now, remember, in the context, you have to understand why Paul is saying this to Corinthians. See, Corinth was the sin city of the day. Did you get that? It was Las Vegas of those years. It was known as sin city. And so imagine the incredible joy, the incredible thankfulness, the incredible gratitude that the poor believers in Jerusalem are experiencing when they hear that this generosity is the result of those who are saved in Sin City. Imagine their absolute ecstasy. Imagine their prayer to God on behalf of the Corinthians. Imagine their glorifying of God for the evidence of the salvation that being brought to Sin City. God has a soft spot for the hilarious giver. God longs to abundantly bless the hilarious giver. God is glorified by the hilarious giver. Fourthly, verse 14. God will answer the prayers. Now, this is a very sensitive one. I want you to listen carefully. God will answer the prayers that are offered on behalf of the hilarious giver. Verse 14, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace of God given to you. Then Paul goes on to say, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Beloved, I cannot count the number of times that people walked up to me in the Middle East, in the Far East, in Europe, in Australia, throughout this great country, and the first thing they would say to me, you know, I pray for you. You see, you don't understand. When people pray for us, they don't even know us. 
God hears their prayers. So many poor and persecuted believers around the world who have been blessed by this ministry. Don't tell me that God is not in the miracle business. And don't tell me that God still does not answer prayer right now. According to His promises, when you cling to His promises, God will answer prayers. If you have ever asked the question, what can a poor person over there or here or there do for me? I'm rich American. Think again. Think again. Their prayers for you, their thankfulness to God for you, their gratitude to God on your behalf is incalculable. Incalculable. You can't calculate. You don't know what's going on around you. You don't know how many times God delivered you. You don't know how many times God blessed you without you even knowing it. Some of you here today may be challenged for the first time with the Word of God. I want you to take a step of faith in taking God's promise and take Him at His Word. I want you to take the first step in trusting of God's provision that He who has protected you and blessed you in the past will bless you today and in the future. A step to becoming a hilarious giver. It is my challenge for every one of you today. 